Thanks for listening to the ODI podcast, covering inspiring stories of data use and impacts around the world. I'm Anna Scott, and this is one in a series of podcasts about standards as part of our research and development program. So we have Jean-Noël Landré, Executive Director at Open North, who's joining us from Montreal. Hi, Jean-Noël. Hi. So if you could start just by introducing yourself and telling us a bit about your organization. Sure. So my name is Jean-Louis Dandry. I'm the executive director of Open North. We're Canada's leading not-for-profit organization that specializes in open data and civic technology, founded in 2011. Uh, based out of Montreal, we work with all levels of government in Canada and also internationally with a range of different partners. And our areas of specialization uh, really has a kind of a broad range, but, you know, looking at, the, at policies, standards, as well as developing strategies and roadmaps, and increasingly uh, in the field of open smart cities. Uh, and obviously, there's a, a huge data component to, to that work as well. Brilliant. And so what kind of standards do you work on? So there's a, there's a number of different ways that we've worked with uh, standards over the years. Um, I'd say originally with the founder of Open North, James McKinney, there's a few uh, standards that we've created ourselves that have been maintained, including Popolo uh, and Represent, as well as Open 511. So these are standards that address different types of needs that relate to different types of stakeholder communities and that have been maintained and scaled uh, differently as well. But more recently, because of the work that we're doing with cities, we're looking at ways that we can actually facilitate peer-to-peer learning opportunities between cities to really kind of connect them more effectively through standardization of data. And we've got one project like that, for example, in with the province of Ontario, uh, with a municipal information systems association where, that has approximately 400 members. And so we're looking at standardizing 10 types of data sets on 10 different issues with 10 different cities in that province. So working on multiple standards as you do, what would you say would be the life cycle of a standard? What would you do to begin with, for example? Right. Well, I think it really depends on on what needs are identified and by whom, right? Some standards evolve or uh, are initiated within government. Others are uh, take root uh, according to different needs of users of, of data that see a need to be able to work more effectively together and perhaps even focus on common problems. That was certainly the case with the uh, the standard that James McKinney created with Popolo, which is on uh, legislative uh, data standards. It's a quite a, a simple uh, schema, and it actually has been utilized by a number of different civic tech activists internationally through you know such projects as being able to track MPs and uh, legislative assemblies, um, and then others with you know Open 511, you know on road incidents. That was a collaboration that we had with the province of uh, British Columbia, more on the, the far west end of uh, of Canada. Um, and that was a, a collaboration that, you know, was more grounded with kind of the operations management systems uh, administrators at the province of British Columbia. So more inside government. But then obviously there's always the the, the needs of the users of data that are obviously, uh, you know, front and center in, in any type of tech project. And for this one, it's, uh, you know, in terms of mobility and access to roads and being able to notify and to know, you know, what, what are the, the types of events, including construction and, and others that can stand in the way between you and your final destination. So, you know, these are types of examples of, of work that we've been doing. And how do you go about engaging the community that's necessary? So all the users, presumably you engage the users in the standards development. 
Yes. So I think Popolo is recognized widely as a very good example of that through chat groups and, and et cetera, and opening for different periods of comments to modify uh, the schema and, and whatnot. And I think that's that part of the success of, of Popolo that have been think, looked at and scaled and documented through including the work that we've done with the ODI as part of our recent project when we actually documented lessons from three open standards from development to adoption. But the users, I think what we're seeing right now in conversations on, on standards is that there's needs from you know, various stakeholders within government and elsewhere that you know, really need to come together around an issue around working more effectively and efficiently with data. And sometimes people don't necessarily realize that the format of standards is what will bring them together. So data and standards actually are enabling us to be able to connect with stakeholders that didn't consider themselves to be tech savvy, but actually, you know, once you start talking about the benefits of standardizing data, then all kinds of ears kind of perk up and then you get kind of people's attention in, in that way. So it really varies, I think, for different types of problems that you're trying to solve and looking at what data is accessible and what format it is and uh, how to facilitate a, a discussion around that. You mentioned the research that you've done into adoption cycles and the recommendations that came from it. Could you just summarize those recommendations or, or draw out a few that you think would be useful? Yeah, so there's some there's some key ones. And what we did, like I said, I've already mentioned the, the three standards that we focused on. But I think some main observations include that collaboration doesn't necessarily guarantee accurate use cases or, you know, persona generation. Who collaborates really matters. You know, I've already kind of highlighted domain experts and IT experts really have different types of skill sets and knowledge sets uh, that need to be recognized and names and named from the get-go. Software tools can help support adoption uh, as well. And then when we get into more on the, on the recommendations that came out of our work, creating standards based on demand for data to ensure that there will be adoption is, is crucial. Lightweight, simple standards like Popolo, I think, are part of the best practices. You know, sometimes you see standards that become a little bit unwieldy because they try to do everything for everyone. So I think really kind of maintaining that focus is critical. And then involving domain experts who have knowledge or of content, as well as IT professionals who will implement the standards, making that, that connection, I think, is also important from a uh, sustainability and maintenance perspective. And yeah, I mean, some other, there's, there's been some other recommendations, but I think this is a, a different kind of phase of the kind of standards uh, conversations in, internationally that's ongoing at the global level. And so it's, uh, it's really interesting to see how, how it's been progressing. And how often would you check back in once you've helped develop the standards on adoption? What would that look like? Right. So I think it depends on, you know, who is maintaining the, the standard itself. And, you know, one example that, that we are directly involved in maintaining is our represent API, that very simple uh, schema for elected officials at, at different levels of, uh, of government here in Canada, which draws and is inspired by Popolo, but is a, is a separate schema. And we do that ourselves. So we we get requests uh, to update the, the schema and to uh, update our uh, our database. And, you know, we will receive a number of different emails from different users, whether from civil society, media organizations, uh, government itself, uh, or nonprofits that, you know, use our, our API for their campaigns on a regular basis. So every week we'll get 
five to 10 uh, emails looking for that support. I think the biggest challenge is to be able to, as a nonprofit, be able to generate some revenue in order to maintain <laughs> the standards and to actually allocate the necessary human time resources to, to doing that work. And I'm sure that that's a challenge that you know a number of different organizations like ours has, have seen that you can create a, a standard and have a high degree of adoption, but then what do you do next? So the sustainability model of standards is actually a, a really big, big challenge. And I like to say that our represent API is the, the thing that we do that probably has the most impact that generates the least revenue. <laughs> so that's from a business perspective, that's not a great thing, but from a values perspective, that's actually you know quite significant. So that's why we continue to be invested in, in that work. What would you say would be the factors to sustainability for standards? Yeah, I think it's a you know, and again, Represent API is actually a good uh, a good example and use case for for that because we've tried different things. Part of it was to be able to better document the way that the API has been de- deployed successfully by different types of users. So making that known, we don't necessarily know who uses the API. So actually getting the word out and documenting that through storytelling is is important. But then it's also about the different types of partnerships that you can create. And just recently, we were in touch with a, a nonprofit that works on kind of enabling, you know, different activists at the local level to support campaigns, political campaigns during elections or in between elections. And they're a big user of our API. So now we're speaking with them um, about how to potentially explore how we can share the labor of maintaining the API and fundraising together because they have different types of relationships with potential funders um, who may want to donate less from a technical benefits perspective as data as, as infrastructure, but more as a kind of democracy kind of strengthening angle. So I think it's important to be able to kind of shape the narrative and see, you know, a range of different types of benefits that a standard can have and seek out partnerships that you can leverage to actually ensure that there's a longer term sustainability to that. That's critical in my view. Brilliant. Thank you. And what kind of benefits have you seen from the standards that you've worked on so far? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a, a range of benefits. I think, again, to, to represent API, I mean, the, the API is used broadly in, in Canada with nonprofits, for example, that are organizing advocacy campaigns where, you know, and we've all kind of seen those types of interfaces or, or tools where you can plug in your postal code, for example, or constituency, and then you get to see, well, who is the uh, elected representative at you know different levels of government? Then how do I contact that individual at their constituency office or at their uh, work office? That's an example that's quite common, uh, and that can be applied to obviously it doesn't matter what type of issue-based campaigns that you want to run. That's that's one example. And then Open 511 actually has been uh, deployed in the province of British Columbia to enable users to be able to know where are road incidents through a publicly funded service as well. So that has tangible impacts in the way that, um, you know, somebody is able to avoid, you know, the headaches of being stuck in traffic, for example, or plan their their, their routes differently at different times. Um, you know, I can't give you hard statistics in terms of, you know, the, the number of minutes that were saved because of the uh, the standard. But theory behind it is that, you know, people are able to make more informed decisions. And I think that's what data accessibility and structured data kind of permits. 
Well, I think that's all we need. So thank you so much for joining us. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the ODI podcast, covering inspiring stories of data use and impacts around the world. This is one in a series of podcasts about standards as part of our research and development programme.